Hello and welcome to the Carbotrage Podcast, episode 84. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, sir. Yo. It's amazingly consistent, isn't it? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so For those of you on uh, Spotify or SoundCloud or Amherst... Or now Google Play yeah. and iTunes. If you're actually listening to the, the <laughs> podcast versus the Twitch stream, um, it, we, we said hello before the recorder started recording. Basically, we saved you like 10 minutes of us, so you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's jump right into beer. Uh, you've got some brown hot beer. Hot bean water. Hot bean water. Hot brown bean water. Hot brown bean water. I've got a Nordeast because I like it. Just finished a cool light. I, uh, this is actually, well, I think it was uh, last night when we were doing the Nintendo Switch rehab in the basement or whatever. Uh, it was the first time I had had beer in like a little over a day because I had just been feeling really, really like vague and I wasn't sure what was going on. Oh, just like kind of lightheaded sure and weird. Yeah. yeah, but like, I'm like, oh, it's definitely not booze. So, I don't know. But anyway, I'm all better now. That's good. And I can enjoy my favorite tasty beverage again, which is, of course, Nordeast. Maybe you're hungover from that bottle of wine you drank on Thursday. I don't think so. Because I, I felt weird on Thursday morning and not Thursday evening. And then I felt weird again on Friday morning all the way through Friday. Welcome to me waking up every day. Yeah, I think it's just like the consequence of me getting close to 30. And oh, I think I th- the I body saying, just starts degrading. I thought you were just going to say death. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm one foot in the grave, the other on a banana peel. So that's true. Anyway, yeah, Northeast. Tastes mm. like a Northeast. It does. And I guess before we start into regular topics, I want to update people on my Fiat 124 shopping. Yes. So this has a, yeah, I actually found. I, I can't remember what I told the listeners last week, but it was I a black found one, yeah. the gray one, or yeah, the dark gray one in North Hollywood. So I did get a hold of them. That car finally showed up because it was an auction car. And I spent like two days conversing with the salesman, which to his credit, most communicative, fast responding, eloquent salesman I've ever dealt with. That's awesome. Bar none. So awesome what, guy. Gee, what, what was his name? Oh, he never gave me his name. I've just got an oh, 818 man. number in there. I still have his number. I could text him like, yo, dog, what's your name, dude? Nah. But anyway, um, got through all the questions, gave me all the pictures I wanted. I uh, gave him a couple of comps, gave him an offer and justified it. Why? I found like another car nearby with 32,000 fewer miles and a warranty, so okay. I was offering 2,500 less for their car. The guy's like, "Yeah, I think I think we can do that. Pre- uh, preemptively, you know, preliminarily accept your offer." I'm like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna send you an email with the kind of process of how a Minnesotan buys a car from a California dealer because they had never done that." And I just asked him to send me the copies of the title, signed paperwork, and we would go from there. A day later, after not hearing anything. I texted him again, and apparently he talked to his business partner, and he's like, sorry, man, the best we can currently do is uh, $500 off instead of $1,500 off, which we kind of agreed on. Yeah. And I'm like, not interested at all for that. I gave him the comp again. I'm like, this car is only like $1,400 more than your counter offer, and it's better in every single way, and it's 15 miles away from you. Yeah. So, no. Exactly. And they, they wouldn't budge. Okay. So, well, I, I walked. And now I kind of just kind of, I don't know, what's the word from that? Just kind of, were you like, you're super excited about something and something happens. Kind of let down. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a more like deflated. obtuse word for that. Yeah, sure. We'll go with deflated. Yeah. So just kind of like that Zoloft commercial guy right now. I'm just like, oh, well, I don't even care about a 124. I think this is actually some good car buying advice um, because the, the Fiat 124 is a serious production car. It, it's not a 
It's not like you're buying a Spaniel Suiza uh, dubbing at Zinnia. Whereas, like, it's one of one or anything. Right. And the price is what the they price is. made a bunch of these, and I, there, again, to that There will to that be another point, one. There was another one 15 miles away in exactly. the same exact color and spec. I think a lot of us can get really, like, hyped up in the moment of buying a car. Yeah, it can cause and, you to make a bad decision. Yeah, yeah. You, make, you make terrible decisions doing that. Uh, and sometimes you're like, well, you know what? This is the only one around. Well... Yeah, at the moment. In that case, like if you need a car, you need that specific one, and it's like an okay deal. Because I mean, this car at its advertised price is, is an okay deal, but it's not like worth going out to Hollywood and paying these people for and driving it home. No, not at all. Because there's never been one for sale without a warranty. Yeah, it's like the except only for one. this one. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> one I've ever seen without a warranty. I'm trying to explain it to these guys was tough. So I, I do believe after a couple of weeks when they sit on it and it hasn't sold, they'll probably hit me up again. Yeah, then I, think... I can hit them up with a lower offer at that point. Yeah, exactly. I would but totally do that. I've actually been Model S shopping this last week because I figure uh, those are my two purchases for this year. So maybe I'll just switch them up in order. I don't know. So I've been talking to Peter because he just bought that 70D facelift yeah. Model S. So he bought it from that local guy named Pavel or Pavel. Pavel. Oh, thank you, Corey. Oh, God. It's okay. It's okay. We haven't shown any stories yet. It's People true. don't really miss our faces. So, um, hello, industrious little fellows. Um, uh, he actually has a couple of earlier, but like fast Model S's, the double motor, the performance ones. Yeah. But they're rebuilt title, which I personally don't care about. But as I learned, credit unions won't finance you mm-hmm. on a rebuilt title car, That's even true. though insurance is no different. So. I've been looking at a couple in a Hopkins dealership, a couple in Illinois, but the pattern I'm finding is a lot of these are coming straight from Tesla in wholesale to these dealers. And Tesla, if you guys haven't watched Rich Rebuilds on YouTube, you should check him out. He rebuilds a lot of Model S's and Model X's, and he's walked us through in painstaking detail how long it takes to get a title from Tesla, and sometimes it's like three or four months. So I'm looking at a couple of cars that have that as the issue. Okay. I, I don't know if I'll find a 124 or a Model S first, but I'll be one surprised. Two. Yeah, those well, are, again, my two purchases for this year. So. Yeah, pa- I know Pavel. He's a really cool guy. So back in the day when he used to go out street racing. He's very smart. He would, he would come out there every now and then with this turn Roman. Roman had a 500E. Nice. That's really cool. I assume you mean the Mercedes. Yes, the okay. Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, he would um, he'd wear Armani sandals with like a silk shirt and some like designer pants and like go and do burnouts. Like people would yell at him, like go grab his baseball bat out of the trunk, and it was great. But um, that sounds like you. <laughs> yeah, the, I know, the right? Bat guy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's like the the Russian me. Um, but no, pa- Pavel was a little bit more <laughs> calm. But he had a SL sixty five, which is pretty dope. Nice. Um, those are quite uh, and, rapid. Yeah, and he and he, he he's a pretty stand up guy. So I I would f- if you could somehow find a loan. I think that's as far as a rebuilt title would go. I'd be okay with. And he has clean title that's, cars, but it just he he specializes in dual motor, and I don't want that. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, like with. With, with him, like, that's one of the few instances where I would say, yeah, you're actually probably fine getting a car at the salvage title or a rebuilt title. Yeah, and again, I told him straight up, I'm like, I've bought totaled cars and rebuilt them myself. I bought prior salvage cars. It's usually not a problem, especially if it's a reputable person and or there's documentation of what the damage was. And that was, of course, a yes to all of those with Pavel, so. Yeah, exactly. Now. Not a worry. What I want to talk about. Speaking of Russian people, yes. Uh, in Russia, during winter, they have the Russian Ice Drifting Championship, mm-hmm. which is always covered on Speed Hunters. This year, um, however, if you want to bring up the link, 
uh, for everyone. Sure. Uh, Masa, uh, Masato Kawabata, who is a uh, D1 GP champion, uh, decided to show up in the off season and just drift a lot of 2102. Um, what is that noise? I think it's the sound of snow falling off the roof. It is. It is, yes. It's a bunch of snow falling off the roof. <laughs> That's incredible. I saw that from the reflection I'm on the... I'm like, what the Mardo. hell? Marty-a-lago. 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 I'm terrible at pronouncing things. I'm sorry, guys. My brain doesn't work very well. So, Bert, It works you, different. You're, yes. <laughs> you don't follow drifting much. Just or, the local people that yeah. I supply parts to. So, and like Forsberg and a couple other people that do interesting cars. Yeah. Kawabata-san, um, he was 2007 D1 GP champion. Uh, he used to drift for Silk Road, which was like back in like the early, early 2000s. It was a really OG drift team. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool cars. He drifted with Goretti, and now he's with Toyo Tires. Um, and I guess during the off-season, when they're not drifting in Japan, he still goes out drifting... But instead of using a Lexus or whatever he does, he's now in a Soviet wagon. I really like that. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, so, yeah, he's, I think, like just like annihilating everybody, of course. Of course. But if you scroll down, they have a bunch of pictures from the uh, Drift Racing Championship. And it wasn't just him. There were some other ones that weren't. I mean, Kawabata-san is definitely the biggest name that's, uh, that was drifting. Um, this is also, this article is from Speed Hunters, I should add. And you just scroll down a little bit more. You can see it on the bottom of literally every photo and in the web bar. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure people listening could, oh. yeah, could know. Um, but yeah, Christophe Bluss and, um, this other guy, he's from Taiwan. I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Um. taiwan son No, I, I, it's like Jung or something. I can't oh. remember his name. It's probably Jorg? Yeah, I think it's Jorg. Um, oh, no, sorry. Pond uh, Toy Chinaran. That's oh, wow. his name. Yeah. Well, I'll just call him Pond. I like the name, Daepanchan Toy Chinaran. That's a really cool name. <laughs> but, uh, oh, Ichiban Auto. So, <sighs> man, that livery is cool. Yeah, it's really dope. And actually, what's really cool is in this Russian drift championship, people are actually getting kind of serious and are putting on, like, wide steering angle. Uh, angle, like kits. angle kits and everything on their Ladas, and it's like dominated by Ladas, That's which is my favorite cheap, part. Light rear wheel drive platform, exactly. And they are beautiful cars. Oh, look at that. I want that. That's not a wagon. I don't care about that. But, but I love that front end. The 2103, I think. But yeah, the wagons are definitely. I mean, a 2102 is still like on my short list of cars. I mean, it I makes sense that before I die. this is off season and it's winter because a lot of us don't have enough power to drift on pavement. Well, factory, they don't. Right. I mean, you definitely can make a lot of power on those because they're a over square. You can make a lot of power on those. Yeah. <laughs> it's an over square uh, engine. I think it's not interference as well. So you can just continuously rub them <laughs> until like everything comes out of the hood and then in season you can swap it back into your tractor and plow the fields exactly so you're good <laughs> and actually they do have an aftermarket because it uses a whole bunch of fiat parts and yeah. everything and then in russia even just for a lot of base stuff they have a lot of i think you can actually make more power on the lada engine than you can the fiat engine could be 
They probably like made things out of more granite. Well, it, because there's been more R and D into the Lada engine <laughs> well, in yeah. Russia. They but made the Lada a lot longer than Fiat made their twin cam. I just so. think it's really funny because the Fiat engine's like significantly better, but it, it's like, yeah, it's just the 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 better engine that nobody ever uses. <laughs> but it's probably a lot heavier or something. I don't know. I found that deeply interesting, and I'm very happy about that. It's actually it's not Kabatis uh, in the leads. It's. Uh, Evgeny uh, Losev. I suddenly want like a really vintage-looking German auto livery on Brexit. That would be very cool. But then I'd have to put it on BBS RSs, which are like the period German tuner wheel, and I don't like those. That is such an expensive choice of wheel, too. And they're so dumb-looking. I don't think they're dumb. They're just they not worth terrible. the money. Nah, they're just gross. Okay. Anyway, so um, here, let's... Uh, that's about all I have to say about that. Okay. I'm very happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, what California has planned. Oh, yeah. Actually, good news from California. It is actually fabulous. And I didn't bother to pull an article for this, but I probably should real yeah, quick. Yeah, you really, really should. Um, but yeah, no, in, in Russia, they actually are really huge in the drifting. It's not just the Lada scene. Um, oh, good. We are back to uh, regularly scheduled <laughs> programming. Perfect. So uh, I saw this article, I think, when I was scrolling through Facebook midweek, which is why I didn't have a link published, because that's tough. Why is Motor 1 using right-hand drive traffic uh, in that I, picture? I don't know. Probably because their stock photo team is really bad at life. Or it's like a British-based thing. doesn't matter. Anyway, so California is, as you guys know, immensely tall. I mean, to go from the north coast, or well, the north border... Oh to yeah, the south. Yeah. It is. It's like eight, eight or nine hundred miles, maybe more than that. It's three quarters of America. Yeah. So anyway, uh, a lot of people drive from the populated areas to other populated areas in California, and right now they've got interstates certainly, but they're usually kind of plagued with traffic, and the speed limits aren't very high. So, and this is. I'll remind you just to set the stage. This is the only state in the entire country. That has like ridiculous smog and exhaust noise rules. This, this is the state that's it's like so, a nanny state. This is the state that's so anti-car anything you can't. They it's, it's America's Switzerland. It's a felony to have an, a, a loud exhaust. That's <laughs> uh, not accurate. Oh, but. sorry. No, it's not. It's not felony. It's a, a misdemeanor. Yeah, it's a thousand dollar fine though. Yeah. Uh, we should pull up Freiburger's video on that because he did one on it. He did. Okay. And apparently, it's widely misconstrued what they actually changed in law. The law itself didn't change. The uh, the punishment structure that, did. That, I know, yeah. that's. But we, we should actually... I don't know if we're allowed to play his video. 750 miles. Sorry. From oh, no, bottom. no, thank you. That's okay. A, all right, so it's 750 well, miles. So um, you said... What, what did you say? 800, like, I think. 800? Yeah, yeah, you're pretty close. good. Um, so basically, the, the, the fines and things don't change. The only things that changed is if you're pulled over, the cop doesn't have a choice whether or not to issue you a ticket with a fine. He does issue one. But when you go to fight it, it's actually probably better now because you don't go to the smog station to get yeah. it tested. Your cop at the side of the street doesn't test it arbitrarily. You go to what's called a referee, which is level two smog checkers, Yeah, which are the people that do like carb compliance swap, things like that. And they do the steady state RPM test and it is steady state RPM. It's not under load. Oh, and good. it's three quarters of your engine's red line RPM. And okay. it's measured at like three feet from the back of your car three feet up 
So, and, and we're talking like 90 really? decibels or something ridiculous. So, I mean, you could have open header cars probably that wouldn't I think it's, it's, I think it's actually invalidate 90, it's this It's 96, test. I think. It could be, it's, but it's, it's ridiculously yeah. loud. And again, if you've got like a modern variable valve timing like engine or whatever, with, even with open headers at a steady state RPM, it's not going to be that loud. As, as I was about to say, like a B18, like C, like a GSR engine. Yeah. One of the VTEC crossovers at 5,500 RPM, and that's... And it, it's what's in, like, the owner's manual is the maximum speed, too. Oh, that's engine. hilarious. So, I mean, on, on those engines, you would not be in VTEC. So, as I say, you're not in VTEC, so you still have the smaller uh, intake valve opening, so you're not making... <laughs> you're, it's going to be dead silent. <laughs> you go in there, do the test. All right, you pass. <laughs> 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 Rip headphone user, sorry. Uh, yeah, in these headphones, they're, they're going to start crackling. Soon. Yeah, that's whatever. Um, but anyway, California, back to the story. They are proposing a second set of basically lanes and or roads, depending on where it is, that would be without speed limits. I'm super into that. Which would be great because, again, Corey just found for us that California is 750 miles tall. There are a lot of, like, the people that commute from SFO to L.A., in a car, yeah. Because like you, you either fly or you drive. But the drive's like six hours, and the flight's like two hours plus, and you know, crazy traffic expensive. time, right? And it's expensive, which is ridiculous because they fly like seventy thousand times a day. Not only that, so a route like that, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about you live in San Francisco. You just graduated from Stanford. You have a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt for whatever degree you decided you wanted. Probably um, leisure studies. You can now no longer afford to live in San Francisco. You can't buy a house for sure there. Mm-hmm. But you can buy one four counties over. Right. And your commute to work will be an hour and a half. The equivalent Except, of Buffalo, Minneapolis for us. But, uh, yeah, I guess, which, like, is actually four counties. So it's, like, closer to, like, geographically, like, Brainerd to here. Whatever. But anyway, um... I was trying you to make can, a joke. You can now... Friend. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, hate, I hate all of you. You can you can now take your, what would be a, you know, hour and a half, two hour commute uh, at 60 miles an hour, cranked up to 120, and now feasibly get to work in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Which this actually makes sense for California, because they have a serious housing problem. And they, like, if you're a retail worker, you're not living anywhere near where you work. Nope. And the the person I would want to be least is somebody that works at a McDonald's in like downtown San Francisco. You're done. You're living under a bridge. Why not an In-N-Out burger? Well, because then you at least have good hamburgers oh, to eat on the way home. I do like In-N-Out. We should go to In-N-Out burger. We should go to In-N-Out. Uh, the closest one is in Texas. Uh, I don't want to go to Texas. I, I thought about for Radwood and Austin, which is happening right now. Um, actually, we should probably talk about that, but we that's won't. happening right now. Um. No, we, we'll just go back from Monterey this, this year. Yay. That works. Yeah. So, uh, no, I think it's a great idea. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, if California does this, that means all the red states will either have to do it or – because places like Texas, um, we either have to do well, it. Well, Texas, everyone ignores the 85-mile-an-hour speed limit anyway and just does 100. So yeah. That's fine. But they either are going to have to do that or they're going to have to alienate the car enthusiast of their voting base. I actually really like their uh, the quote here that's listed, which is, Traffic congestion, congestion increases the emissions of greenhouse gases as it causes automobiles to idle longer while on roadways. 
That's so actually... It, it's a perfect... It, they're doing it to be green. Exactly. Like, going faster, honestly, might save fuel because, yeah, there's less idle time. Yeah, that makes sense. And idle, you're not moving at all and burning a very small amount of fuel, albeit, but... Your modern cars are pretty efficient at 100, 120 miles an hour. So, well, if you think about it, if you're going, if you're going, say, because most people aren't going to go flat out all the no, time. No, but they're probably going to do 90, 90, 100, 100. And with our like 37 speed automatic transmissions these days, and I have our, a story about that. But with our 37 speed automatic transmissions, or whatever they have in Fords these days, um, you'll be in like gear 35 and at like idle <laughs> and like plucking along happily. <laughs> so I think it's a great idea. <laughs> okay, so well, I have to ask since you said speed thirty-five out of thirty-seven, what speed does gear number thirty-seven come into? Well, it kind of depends on the gear ratio and the aerodynamics of the car. But I imagine somewhere probably around one forty, one fifty, because they're probably using like a one point one liter turbocharged. Like three cylinder, tur- three cylinder direct injected that has a turbo that like spools at like 100 RPM, mm. and so you're just like unlimited torque but no power. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the the GL that's up on the lift back there, that's my parents' old. Actually, it's my dad's old daily, basically. Um, and they got to the point where it's a 10 year old car, 180 thousand miles or whatever. And it's a Mercedes, yeah. And honestly, those are, it's really good. And I've I've maintained it. I haven't used the factory service booklet since yeah. basically new. So that thing is solid. Needs one thing, which I'm going to do after the podcast. Oh, but anyway, uh, it's a left front air strut. That's entirely believable. It's a one-hour job, and the part was $127. Wow, that's real. That's way, way, way better than any Volkswagen Audi Group product. Eurotech quoted $1,200 to do this. I'm like, no. I had, nope. I had to get a quote. No, it was a hard pass. Anyway, they bought a new GLS 450. He was looking at other stuff. I'm like, well, what should I buy? I'm like, well, is, you shouldn't really buy anything. You should just keep G- using it. Isn't this. the GLS the crossover you won? GLS is this. Oh, okay. That's the uh, one I was thinking A couple of. years ago, they, they took... the GLC is what I was thinking of. Yeah, GLC is the old GLK, and the GLE is the old ML. So, I mean, just think of GL as the SUV thing, and then uh, CES are like the classes of the sedan that it's based on. So it's just GL's SUV, S is S-class. So anyway, they bought a new GLS. It's got a nine-speed whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I was using I was the paddles about. the other day, just going home from here. Yeah. And I was literally, I got onto five, and I canned it up through like third gear, got up to sixty-five, and I had to pull the pedal five times to get it into top gear. I'm just like, was it idling? Really? Here's the thing. Yeah, twelve hundred RPM at sixty-five miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. What I'm talking about. In a V six, in a gigantic thingy. Exactly what I'm talking about. I hate that. So anyway. Uh, back to the California thing. Please do it, and then maybe hopefully the rest of the states will follow suit. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's really cool, and uh, it's also poo-poo to um, everybody that says that liberals can't be car enthusiasts. Exactly, because we so, are. Yeah, we are. It's true. It's a thing. <laughs> um, all right, now, uh, speaking of California, and they, for the longest time, especially in the 80s, mm-hmm. were the home of the sports car, because it's always perfect weather. It yeah. sucks to have a crossover. If you have a, sports, a crossover in California, please move. You don't belong there. Like, you have no business being in California if you're yeah. driving a CRV. Nobody likes you. You don't like yourself. <laughs> you're probably complaining about something right now. There's Pro- nothing to complain about. Don't worry about it. Get the fuck out. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but wow. I, you know, I didn't so, go immediately there. 
Nissan yep. has teased a new Z car nice. that they're going to be revealing. Um, well, that's excellent because the 370Z has been around in its current exact specification for 10 I know. 10 years. Well, they finally got the kick in the ass from Toyota. So thank you, Benevolent Overlord. Thank you for the suit. Akio Toyota. Um, and BMW. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> BMW helped. They don't care about BMW. That's the I thing. It's love a, BMW. I, great. Though. That's fine and dandy, but that's not what Nissan cares about. They care I'm about the saying. fact... They care about the fact that it's a Toyota. Because uh-huh. when BMW makes something, sure, that's a BMW. Nissan's competition is Toyota and I'm just Honda. thanking BMW for making the Toyota for Toyota. What I'm curious about, why did it take the Supra, not the NSX? What do you mean? Because the NSX has been out for years. And now Nissan's like, oh, maybe we should redesign our car. Well, the, the NSX is a halo car, and the Supra is a middle-range vehicle. I, I guess the NSX is more... Those are like 140000 Well, the, the, the Supra is supposed to be a halo car, but that's just frustrating. It never has been. What? It was like the a $40,000 car in 1994. Mm-hmm. The Mark IV was a halo car. Yeah, it was forty grand. It yeah, wasn't eighty. It was an affordable halo car. It was still their halo car. The halo car is I'm the best. I'm just saying. It no, was... the halo car is the best car. If it's that... attainable, it's not a halo car. No, that is attainable. But you can have an I'm attainable. Say, I, it was attainable. I'm saying your halo you car can, cannot you can be have attainable. An attainable halo car. You cannot. No, a halo car is the car that shows off everything that the manufacturer has to offer. Halo car is it's... just the most expensive car that a manufacturer offers, or best. Which is the Supra. I understand anyway, that. Um. So back to what we're talking about. Um. Actually, it's probably their uh, Land Cruiser. I don't even care a little bit. The Land Cruiser is the Halo car. There we go. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to use a 3-liter turbocharged engine. Now, cool. what they're saying, what they've been saying, is that, well, they use the V37 Skyline. Um, the is Q- that the Red Sport Q50 motor or whatever? The Q60. I refuse I don't know. To, I don't know what it is. I'm not using... The G35, that one. No, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> using the Infiniti nomenclature because it's all meaningless. I know. It's all Q something. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I know Q is sedan and car or whatever, so I know it's a Q something. But like the the thing that I, used to be the G, whatever that is now, has a three liter twin turbo. Is, is exact, that that engine? I I guess I don't know. Okay, that's a good engine. But see, this is a thing. This is why we have names for our cars. Like the Eagle Hammerhead Eye Thrust, Jeff? Th- this is why every Mercedes <laughs> isn't branded an S class to make you go. <laughs> Oh, it's an S-Class. Can you imagine if Mercedes just started S only and then the number meant everything else? Yeah, it would be horrible. <laughs> I've got be... an S110. What, what does that mean? Uh, it's an A-Class. Yeah, exactly. I've got an S900. Yeah. Oh, what's that? That's, That's a GL. S- yeah, like... <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, it Really, inf- whoever came up with that idea for Infinity should jump off a bridge. That is just the worst idea. Hopefully they already did. Um, now, anyway. They uh, probably did. Shinichi Kiga, That's the lead name. engineer of the uh, the Z35, I think is what they're calling it, um, that he said <laughs> that they were thinking about using the variable compression four-cylinder for a, like a base model sort of thing. Oh, I see. But I have heard fuck all about that engine since now, its introduction. Let me finish what I'm saying. Okay. You could very easily make an inline six based off that architecture. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That would be much better. So an inline six Z car, I would be about it. That'd be really, really cool. Especially if they called it an L series engine. Now the, the other thing I'm curious about, I really hope they they don't give it a meaningless name like uh, 380Z if it doesn't have a 3.8 liter. 
Because if it's going to be a three-liter, it's going to be a 300Z. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the thing, is the car is... That's going to start creating a lot of weirdness with the community. Because um, Z, historically, has meant sports car. Uh, like the Z33, the the three the 350Z, yep. compared to 300ZX, was yeah, much sportier versus versus luxurious mm-hmm. um yeah the interior is much more cut down but it was definitely a little more exactly and you had the g35 which filled in the 300 zx's kind mm-hmm. of shoes now if they call it a 300 z a lot of i've seen a lot of nissan z car purists like really beginning to complain because like listen this car's getting bloated fat and gross we are getting really over it right but it won't be a zx well that's the thing it they could easily bring that name back but the thing is is it tarnished because ZX always meant like the right. GT cars versus the Z, and when they brought back the Z car, they got rid of the ZX for that specific purpose. I think that really depends on what their platform looks like. I think that if the they lo- base it on like a Juke, yeah, it's going to be tarnished. I, I think. Well, I think the the larger issue is that um, I think that if they make this into like a super heavy car, like the 370Z is, yeah, I think that's going to tarnish the Z car name. Period. And I think that either they're going to have to cut a ton of weight out of it. Mm-hmm. Or use the ZX name. I think that that's what I would do. But if they call it a 300 ZX, then there's an even bigger issue with that car. Already being the exists. third generation. Right. Well, yeah, but they've they had two generations already. Might as well have a third gen. I I guess calling it a third gen 300 ZX makes more sense than calling it a 300 Z. I what I would prefer. I think the best would be if they called it a 300 Z, instead of weighing nearly as much as a GTR, <laughs> and they just had it way closer to like a BRZ. <laughs> That's the way it should be. That'd be much, much better. Take some leftover uh, bodies in white from Subaru and Toyota and just staple some Nissan badges. Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody else engine. does. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think that'd be yeah much better than... Have you have you heard anything about that variable compression four-cylinder actually, actually in the wild? I've not heard of anything about it in the wild. When we were at Monterey Car Week, I got to see it, and it was kind of cool. And the first, oh, I know we know a lot about its technology. The, the but... first thing that came to my mind was, wow, that's going to break. Right. Cause this I... is going to break catastrophically, <laughs> and everybody with a Nissan Sentra is going to get out of their cars after it's five years old. I mean, each, <laughs> each crank bearing... Has like I think two or three crank bearings on it before it gets to the piston. Yeah, it's really bad. So, like it's super overcomplicated. Uh, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, what happens when people don't change the oil in that? <laughs> and, all, and all the oil galleys. Oh my god, clogged. I know, right? <laughs> like it's so bad. Like this is not designed for like a human to own. Yeah, it's a really cool idea. I'm glad they're putting it into production, but I would worry about that potentially being installed even in a six cylinder variant. Although I would always push for an inline six. Yeah. The three liter V six turbo is a really good engine. It's boring. Well what I think um would be kinda nice is if you could uh make it so you just turn it off. You just remove the system, make it a constant compression. Right. Yeah, and what about just take the block and yeah, take the intermediate eccentric crank out of it and Yeah, like how you well I, or like how you would delete like a balance shaft. Mm-hmm. Kinda like that. Yeah. So I, I think that'd be, or like at least lock in position or I assume something. I could do that. Yeah. It's a lot of extra reciprocating mass, so I hope they would take it out if they're not using it. Well, I mean, but it's also a catastrophic pain in the ass to pull your engine out, flip it upside down, take the oil pan off, take the entire rotating assembly out, put in a new crankshaft, remove a bunch of stuff, and then put it all back together. I'm trying to think of other like inline engines that they even have right now. Uh, Nissan. Yeah, it's like nothing. Uh, the Nissan Patrol, I think, has a 
inline engine in it still. Isn't that like a really, really high displacement four-cylinder? No, it's a really high displacement. It's like a four-liter inline six, oh, if I'm not mistaken. Found the engine right there. Yeah. Patrol engine. Oh, you, you can't call it the 400Z. It'd be really cool. Perfect. Um, it's got like a giant hood bump on it because the Cummins-sized six-cylinder out of the patrol won't fit properly. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. I think that's pretty cool. I don't know. I, I'd be into it. Um, you know what we could do is after we do the last segment, I, we could mm-hmm. probably, I think we've got enough time, we could probably squeeze in the history of the Z car possibly. At uh, least. Well, I mean, maybe. If you think you can do it, I only know stuff about the Z32 and the Z33. That's good because I only know the older ones. Oh, well, yeah, I know you're you're a huge fan of the Z31. Oh, it's one of my favorite cars ever. It's so beautiful. And I think you know more about the earlier Z cars than I do. I know a fair bit about the 240Z. We could try it. We could at least not do justice to it and try. We, we can do a, a, an impromptu thing, and then next episode we can go into... Fill in the errors? <laughs> well, actually, um, what I can, what I want to do, actually... Let's start with this, and then uh, I'll transition it into Skyline stuff next episode, since the Skyline is 50 years old this week. Ah. Or the, the Skyline GTR, I should say, is 50 years old. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I wrote down GTR when you were talking yeah, about it. Yeah, the, because the Skyline itself is Older. like yeah, it's like 70 or it's something. It's as old as the Skyline. It's like really old, like 1954. Yeah, <laughs> that's like when Skylines started to happen in cities. Yeah, yep. exactly. There you go. Um, anyway, so I've got a story, kind of a feel-gooder. I can't believe it took this long. I know. Well, I thought it had already happened. <laughs> the data, he bought it. Okay, so let me, uh, for the audio listeners, Matt Farah, he has a second-gen LS400, finally hit a million miles. Yes. Matt, Matt, Matt Farah of Slash Drive and... This is yeah. Matt Farah's 1 million mile Lexus LS400. So yeah, he bought it back in 2014... And it had a nine or just about nine hundred thousand, so eight hundred ninety-seven thousand miles, and he's just been lending it to people like crazy since then to try to get it to a million. So yeah, it took four years to put a hundred thousand miles on this, which still twenty-five k a year. Okay, that's pretty good. That's but anyway, it finally made it. Twenty-five thousand miles a year is still like I do more than like that. Almost double what the average lease is. So that's like an insane. More than a lot of leases are ten k now. Well, I mean, yeah, 10 to 15. That, that's just kind of more than double. Oh, well, yeah, f- 15 used to be the norm. Now 10 is yeah, pretty not, much the norm. Yeah, 10 is what you go for, but 15 is common. But, yeah. I cannot believe anyone can drive as little as one, uh, you know, 10,000 miles a year. But anyway, uh, yeah, it, it made it. Uh, the original un, unmolested engine, unopened engine, it's had a bunch of transmissions in it. Matt had to put one in. Oh, really? Yep. Um, so, But the engine, original, unopened. And it still was pulling nice and strong. So um, Matt took delivery of this just before a million miles down in Florida and is driving it back to California. How many transmissions is a bunch? I think it's been through five transmissions. Wow. Um, and it's been through like a bazillion alternators because apparently there's some gasket that is leaking on it. Nobody knew. And it kept killing alternators. So I don't know. Um, but I mean, this is still just, it's doing minor stuff. Because a right. transmission in that car is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Actually, ten. Actually, no. It's 12 bolts. I'm it's wrong. It's 12 bolts. Yeah. It, I think it was the original, and Matt had to replace it. So it might have, might, this might oh, only okay. be transmission, too. Anyway, I'm not sure, but the engine's original. And I think this is going... I know it's going to a museum, but I don't remember if it's the Peterson or if it's somewhere else. Like Toyota's Historical Museum? It might be going to Toyota's Historical I, Museum. <laughs> I would imagine it would probably be Toyota, because that's something that Toyota would be super into. Because when they designed that car, this in our car deserves its own... Kind of like model run through. 
uh, this is when the Mercedes W124 was out, like the car that's as reliable as the Sunrise. Yep. Um, and Toyota was trying to be more luxurious, uh, faster, and more reliable than the Germans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wanted to. I think they wanted they had some metric in which it was faster than a seven series. They had the V8, yeah, which is that. Um, yeah, it was probably faster than the twelve as well. Yeah, and then they had the. Um, it was uh, more luxurious than the Audi, and it was more reliable than the Mercedes. So they had a, so they had a selling point against every one of the German uh, marks, mm-hmm. and then the Americans are like, "Do you really want a Cadillac? Like, are, how old are you?" <laughs> like, was, no, you, the, was your first car a locomobile? Like, if you bought a full size luxury car from 1990 to about 1995, and you didn't buy an LS 400, you're a fool. You were an idiot. Yeah, and well, that's the thing is, so they were designed this uh, to be more reliable than Mercedes, the most reliable car in the world at that point in time. Yeah, and uh, safe to say that I think that they might have done it. They, it is. I mean, the M one nineteen and the seven twenty two four are really bulletproof too i'm sure there's a bunch of like yeah. w140 s500s out there that are taxi cabs in greece that have like a million miles on them yeah and that nobody cares but i'm sure those have had a lot more maintenance than this has had and and that's the other thing is like when you get into that mercedes you're yep. going into it going i should be fine but it's like my house and one right. day my water heaters to go out and yep. it's like costing you thousands of dollars yeah this you get in and turn the key of like oh it's a toyota that's a toyota it's okay <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> transmit i got another neutral okay i still thought of three years in the tranny like oh weird i didn't know they used four l60es in ls 400s i think it's the i'm not sure what, what transmission is I don't know and no, this car is just auto. absolutely f- this computer is fighting with me again so i can't really figure out that's what right. tranny's in it at but, least we can look at the tweet <laughs> and on the 20th day I, of the second that. month of the fourth year of the millionth mile, Lexus officially clocked a million miles. That is at Lexus USA. really, really awesome. I'm, who, I'm who, really... who is Puppy Knuckles, and why is there an at tag on them? Is that the person who drove it before or something? Should I go on Twitter Instagram? And find out? I, 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 wonder, Instagram. I wonder if Puppy Knuckles is the guy that does Smoking Tire yeah, with Matt. Uh, oh, isn't that, that Zach? Is yeah, but what's his Instagram tag? I don't know. It might be Puppy Knuckles. I'm, I'm curious. I need to know who Puppy, Puppy Knuckles, Knuckles is now. Puppy. Stand by. Uh, D.W. Barnett. He's an automotive photographer, so he probably took the photo. Oh. And if you go onto his Instagram, his second picture is a disheveled. Oh, very nice. So Puppy Knuckles seems pretty legit. He probably yeah. took this. Yeah, he's a really good photographer. Oh no, goodness. that's track-tuned. Anyway, this is a nice photo of the million-mile Lexus at Bonneville. He takes a lot of really cool pictures of really not interesting cars to yeah. me. I like that. Because, well, well they're, not they're interesting, interesting to you? I'll send yeah, his they're, they're Instagram totally, to both you guys. They're, they're okay. totally interesting cars. It's just like modern supercars and stuff. And like Wait, Camaros. I, I forgot just like, this has internet. Yeah. Uh, I, it's only me that can't seem to handle it. That's all right. We all have flaws. <laughs> Thank you. Um, anyway, what I, I want to do while we're what an interesting at, handle to have. That's a great being handle, yeah. a professional photographer, by the way. Yeah, that's a great photography. <laughs> Sorry handle. to cut you off. Right? No, it's okay. Um, so yeah, well, let's do like a little quickie on the oh, Nissan Z car. Yes. So, are you doing screen grab? Yeah. Oh, good. So yeah, it's quite cool. But I mean, if you scroll down, like they got the Ferrari and everything, that's cool. 
and then all the uh, rad cars from um. Oh, he did. He does a lot of shooting for uh, Haggerty. Okay, that's so. Hmm. Um, because I'm just looking for the million mile Lexus. They had the Haggerty bull market list. They uh, had a G wagon. Oh, some roof port. yellow bird. Yeah. Oh. Okay, I guess they, they do have cooler stuff. Oh my Atlanta. Yeah, because like when I looked over, I saw like that part. You're right. And I'm like, okay, it's a McLaren Senna and like, a Porsche. Dope. This but, guy's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's really phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, okay. He does. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Shut up, phone. It's a cool picture of a Hellcat. Anyway. Um, yeah, buddy. Let's, that might be a demon. Or Yeah, sorry, demon. Uh, let's talk about the Z car some more because we were kind of complaining about the name uh, all of 10 minutes ago uh, for if they of what the current Z cars are. Um, and I'm going to kind of explain my issue with how they choose their naming for them because i am happy they do it the three digit thing but just the fact that z versus zx is kind of bothering me because the z car started out um in the uh there it is thank you <laughs> it's a uh, 1970 240z yes the so the here uh the 240z uh started out as the first z car it was nissan's um, sports car that really kind of was meant to really capture the American sports car market. Cause at that point in time, you either could get a muscle car, which sucked at handling, but was really fast, a straight line, or you could get an MG, which was really shitty in a straight line, but was great in corners and was awesome up until about 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the old British cars were designed in an era before highways. <laughs> Like they really were, and that's why the well, yeah, British B roads are they were A roads at one point. Yeah, and that that's the thing is like they they don't have like much for power on them. They, they suck to take out on the highway. Uh, so there's a there's downright a, dangerous, probably. Yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> vacuum uh, between those two, and there's one other thing. The muscle cars were relatively reliable. The British cars would not start ever. Right. Ever like if you the first part of your journey is getting your car started. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's where the Z comes in. You have an inline six, which is a extended version of the four cylinder that was in the, uh, in the five ten and the predecessor, I think even. Yeah. Yeah, Um, They started out with a 2.4 and then later went to the, and that's where 240 came from. Uh, now the thing is with the Z car, that was actually the successor of the earlier, uh, Datsun Roadsters, uh, which are called the Fairlady Roadsters because that's where that term came from. Yeah. The, actually the, um, the I think it was the CEO of Nissan. I, I don't have any notes on this right now, so I'm trying to go off the top of my head. Uh, I think it was the CEO of Nissan at the time was a huge fan of the play My Fair Lady, mm. and that's where the uh, the name Fair Lady came from. Gotcha. And so they originally had the Roadsters, which were meant to be a more direct competitor to the British Roadsters. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was way better. And that's why you see them appreciating today the British Roadsters falling off of a absolute cliff. <laughs> um, all, the, yeah, all the MGs Jana, are advertised as. I need to yeah. get some notes here. Um, or we could just not do this segment today and research it, I suppose. Well, we're already halfway through. No, we just started the first one. So we're just going to have a 45-minute episode? We've done that a bunch of times before. Sure, let's just do that. <laughs> you know what, guys? I feel my, like the Z car deserves. No, my it's more the fact that my computer. I have a ton of notes like stored up on my Google Drive already about this, and just my computer is not cooperating. 
Well, don't worry. I've completely omitted my computer today, so we are both. Uh, I mean, we we are really good at uh, winging it, but this, is, this card deserves. I've, I've sure, got, go I've for it. I've got a really good well, fact of the day. Wait, hang on. Now we're now we're gonna have half of the oh, Z card thing in this episode. Not the. There we go. That's what I meant to do. Half of we just barely started the T40Z. It's just kind of me. We basically just showed somebody a picture of a T40Z. You know what we could do is we could just edit me. Edit out me, edit out me babbling on for five minutes. Nah. Okay. I nah. guess that happens. Yeah, this is just not gonna work because I need to. You think yeah, you have the fixed. budget for editing? No, we don't. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I barely have the budget time-wise just to put these things on the internet unedited. Yeah, we're gonna get back to it next week when I actually can get to this because I already have another one planned for the next episode. So sorry about that, everyone. It's just this is. No, not no, it's good. It's, this is suspense. Yes. It is suspense. We are honey dick in the audience. All right. What's so going this on has. There. Nothing to do with cars. Is that something you learned this week? This is something that I learned last week because I barely had school this week because of um, snow days. It barely snowed this yeah. week. Yeah. Okay. I know. That's pretty Understand cool. my frustration. I'm mm. paying for this. Mm. And my grant is, but you know. Mm. Anywho, so um, I'm retaking forensic anthropology because there's finally a professor that actually went to school for this stuff teaching. Interesting. That's convenient. Yeah. So I'm taking it again. And um, so I've always studied a lot of forensics and, you know, anthropology. And so I know a lot about body farms. Gross. I I know. They're so cool. So body farms are, I think... When I first started learning about forensics, my mental only... image is very. It's probably exactly what you think it is. Oh man! Um, or at least not far off. <laughs> but when I first started studying forensics in like 2012, like a long time ago, there was one body farm that I mm-hmm. knew of. Okay. And that that is in Tennessee, and that's the largest one. Now there's several okay. in the country, but this story has to do with the body farm in Tennessee, my favorite body farm, and. I'll go, I'll describe what a body farm is. Perfect. Body farm, that, that's the part I'm going to be waiting for. <laughs> yeah. So, univer- I think it's the University of Tennessee set up, or got, I assume they got this land donated to them. Okay. And they have the leading forensics program in the country. And so, people will donate their bodies to the body farm. Okay. And through, uh, they'll bury the bodies, they'll leave them exposed to the elements, they'll put them in cement, and it's all... Just a huge experiment to see um, how bodies uh, decompose. This is exactly what my mental image yeah. of a body farm was, knowing nothing about body farms. <laughs> yeah, so like it's just to see how the human body decomposes. I or bet that how... place smells. It smells awful. fantastic. Okay. It's the best smell you've ever smelled. Okay, Trump. Um, fantastic. fantastic the best smell the best smell uh. you definitely don't need to wear like full body coverings oh. and gas masks but the picture so um, many maggots yeah so like it's just to study body decomp so they can uh, gauge time of death better can i donate my body after the organ donor people have shipped out all my organs yes, to somebody else they'll Perfect. take because that's still like that's an you know, valid thing. Like, yeah. how does a body decompose without organs? You know? Science is so gross. Yeah, it science is. is really disgusting, and but it's fascinating at yeah, the same time. Yeah, so like, I've I would loved... just puke and faint if I ever went there. But... I, 
There's several documentaries on this body farm. I suggest watching them. I would not nope. make it through that. Um, nope. I, <laughs> nope. We're not doing that when we get home. I, not, <laughs> not a fucking chance in hell. See, this I, is I'm, how I'm I already, realize. I'm already grossed out with this segment, <laughs> much <laughs> less watching this at home. This is how far removed the I what am did you learn me. segment came from you ryan yeah. i know i don't i don't know why we let Jan be included in this <laughs> so recently they had to set up a fence That's even so though great. that they want wildlife to come in and out oh they man. had to put up a fence because okay. coyotes why? were oh, taking body man. parts and running through neighborhoods that's actually terrifying how many <laughs> coyotes had penises in their mouths uh it was they they don't go for that i the think the bugs like go arms. for that so it was more I like Modi limbs. I think Modi would do that. Oh, okay. So That's gross. So coyotes were running around with imagine, arms in their mouth. Imagine the terrified little <laughs> like nine-year-old girl... That like looks out her window and sees a puppy running down the street with a human arm that's partially decomposed. Imagine its mouth. how ass mad the person would be that donated their body. Well, I mean, you donate your body to science, like so weird stuff. Yeah, but you, you like read the fine print. You specifically like you can't just donate your body to science and have it go to these body farms. You specifically have to give consent to. Like, before you die, you have to yeah. give consent to be in these experiments. And they do. Like, you can say, hey. I want to do this experiment, but I want to make sure no animals scavenge off of me. So they'll put you in like the cement or something. So like you can have terms and conditions going into this. I mean, that's still pretty cool. I mean, who cares? You're dead. But yeah, I know. Like I, it's it's awesome. Oh, and so man. it's you know, if you find it interesting, Ugh. I could talk about it all day. Yeah, I think we we're but, probably good. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I've been talking whoa. about animal facts, and the, this is the one thing I learned. I like cat week. facts. I really wish cat there was facts. any other animal fact that we learned about this week. Um, I, I don't think I learned anything about animals this week. Well, not animals, just uh, like I meant for you, but oh. <laughs> it's just so gross. He yeah, told me that in the car, and I was like, icky. can we think of anything else? <laughs> it's oh. so gross. Uh, Gives uh, me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was killing time. Well, I mean, it's something you learn, so it's legitimate. Yeah. Uh, I it's mean, better I than what I learned. Well, this <laughs> this segment I, I don't do to kill time. I do a segment because we kept ending on sad notes, and I was sick of listening to end it on, and being on depressed. A happy note. Oh, speaking of ending oh. on, we're not doing it yet. But what was that thing we discussed on Thursday that was like a perfect sign-off? Oh, um, uh, getting the bagpipes. Yes. Oh yeah. And me with bagpipes. Yeah. yeah we need to get. Shall bag- I get the bagpipes? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Shall I get the bagpipes? I do have a car story. Um, so oh I was God. in um class yesterday. I was not not in forensics. I was in uh, environmental biology, mm-hmm. and I was learning about zebra. Which muscles. sounds like a riot. Oh, I hate those things. Uh, to to me, the zebra mussels is grosser than the body farm. I know. Why? I I find them absolutely disgusting. Why? I I don't like them. Why? Well, they're uh, Ryan, I deal species. with this stuff. Uh, like, it's not is, gross to me. No, is it because you like how they look or? It, yeah, I just I I don't like things that like grow that reproduce that quickly. Oh. That grosses me out. Oh, dang it! I was trying to make sad bagpipes, but there's a oh. an ad. L O L. This um, has been an entire episode of nothing but... Oh, don't play music over the microphone. Yes. 
God, this is. Oh, is that Titanic? Can we? Like... <laughs> Anywho, back to my story. We need to talk about what we learned and then yeah, finish I, I just, it I and then do the next this, episode. I kill this episode. <clears throat> so, um, so I was in class yep. and um, I got a call from my sister and I was like, I, Julie, I'm in class. I'm not answering your phone call. So I rejected it and I texted her. I was like, what's up? It's 12 o'clock. That's what o'clock. I do with every phone I'm call. Mm-hmm. Um, and she texts me. She's like, hey, I need your help with the car. And I was like, all right, I'll be there after class. We're doing presentations today. There's a lot of points on the line. You know, I'll, I'll get there when I can get there. Mm-hmm. And she goes, okay, um, I'm trapped in the car. And I was like, oh, you're, you're, you're trapped? And she goes, yeah. The, um, I turned off the car and I went to restart it and the doors locked and they won't unlock. A lot of modern cars have what's called a deadbolt feature. So if you mess with the key the wrong way, it will literally deadbolt you in. Yeah. So, um, I had to leave class to rescue her. Um, and I get there and she'd been obviously trying really, really hard to get the door open and it's a convertible beetle so she was worried about breaking the window because the window goes up into the roof just burn the car to the ground yeah so she had tried to open the top she had tried to open the door she couldn't do any of it she tried crawling through the trunk but it was too small of an opening and so i get there and i the first thing i do is grab the spare key from the house and i was just gonna manually unlock it Mm -hmm. the door was cracked open by the time i got there and I was able to pull it open myself with no trouble. And I was like, oh my God. And she's like, I was trying so hard. I couldn't do it. And I was like, I believe you. But the fact that it was so easy for me makes me really upset. I was like, this is such a ridiculous situation. And it wouldn't happen with anything but a Volkswagen. Well, it wouldn't happen with anything but a German car. Yeah. And so... I was just like... It I has could, the Dachau package. Yeah, I was like, I could jump... I was like, I could jump the car and drive it to the Too shop, soon? but... <laughs> I'm just done with this episode. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what did you learn? Um, I learned that uh, the Nissan GTR, the original engine, yes, the S20 engine, was... Um, is only a two-liter engine back in the 60s. No way, the S20 is a two-liter? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. But... Um, <laughs> In the 1960s, like, you had really small oil sumps. Like, a Volkswagen Beetle had three quarts of oil in it. Mm-hmm. This one had 6.3 quarts. Hmm. Uh, and they did it for cooling because the um, GTR engine uh, was a really great engine. And it was designed... Uh, it was the best engine. It was designed to be mechanically uh, similar to the Nissan R380's GR8 engine, which was- is another great engine. Which uh, we all know so much about. Well, the GR8 was basically a three point, uh, or it was just a larger, higher revving S20 okay. in line six. Um, also, the engine was engine code GR8, and it was a really great oh, engine. Oh, now you're speaking yeah. my language. <laughs> That's terrible puns. That's yes. what I was looking for. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but anyway. Uh, that engine used the same amount of oil in it. It was like a 6.3 liter uh, sump. And I was just That's like, huge for a 2 liter wet sump engine, even today. In that era, too. Yeah. Like, because the L series engine used 
way less. You know, I think it's like only like three quarts. Yeah, of that the, that you the did. pan is not big on <laughs> those. Yeah, so I thought it was really interesting. Um, we will be talking about the S20 engine in depth next episode. Um, oh, it, joy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, it'll, it'll be part of uh, the Z car, I assume. The Z car yeah. thing, yeah, because there's going to be. Which, not to be confused with Zitka. No. That Zika not... virus is different. We're not, talking about the not... Z car. That's true. Yeah. Felt so... that was worth mentioning. So, anyway, I, I'm going to end this on a, a much quicker thing that I learned, which is how ridiculously cheap it is to own a very high mile modern Mercedes. Yeah, that's shocking for you. Ridiculously cheap. Just go buy one. Nothing on it's expensive. V6. The three five V six. Don't no. buy an 06, Don't buy an 07. The rest of it's well, fine. What was the V six that was in the R class? Yeah, the R three five. Yeah, don't buy the first two years because it had a bad uh, balance shaft gear. Yeah. Other than that, the rest of them are fine. So don't buy 06, 07, But like oh eight to like last year. How many miles run it? That one. Yeah. Hundred eighty. Seventy something thousand. And it hasn't needed timing chains or anything. No. That's doesn't amazing. It doesn't rattle when you start it. Nothing. But I have maintained it, too. We haven't so, done it by the book. We're running 5W40 You've also it. been doing it f- since new. So. Well, pretty much. It had 70,000 miles on when we bought it, but it's really hard to mess up a modern car in 70,000 miles. Oh, 70,000 miles? Oh, that's in not new. two years. That, that's not new. So. It, it was pretty well, much new. Well, no. 70,000 miles is enough time for somebody to totally mess up maintenance. A Volkswagen, yes. Well, any Mercedes, car. If no. you do seventy thousand miles and you just don't do your maintenance, like you're gonna mess stuff up. But luckily, it came from a dealership employee, and we had the services. Well, no. It, well, what I was saying was that you stand a chance to actually be able to find one realistically. But the like, beauty is, since those engines are reliable, if your V6 goes out, you can get a nice runner for like five hundred dollars. That's great. Um, but yeah, and everybody's, go buy everybody's, one. Everybody's terrified of them too. I know. So they're probably really cheap. They are. Yeah. If you, I mean, that GL. Is in like excellent shape, nice high option vehicle. It's worth like eight grand. That's awesome. That's I don't understand, nice. but yeah, just just go buy one of those old Mercedes because they're actually really good. Perfect. There you go. That well, on that bombshell, should I get the bagpipes? <laughs> yes. yes, you shall get the bagpipes.